Well, turning your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we'll continue, of course, our study of Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica. Paul established this church on his second missionary journey, if you remember, he, he went to Philippi and then over to, to Thessalonica and then on to Berea and then eventually ended up in Corinth, and that's where he writes this letter. And uh, he writes to help them in several areas. He wants to encourage them in their trials. He wants to help them understand the end time things. And then he, he wants them to deal with problem people. And so today we're going to be putting all this together. If you remember in chapter one, that's where Paul encouraged the believers in the midst of persecution. And they were, uh, because they stood for Jesus Christ, because they had trusted Christ and stood for him, there was great persecution. And in the second chapter, we saw where Paul corrected their misunderstanding of the rapture and tribulation. Remember, somebody had told them that the rapture had already happened and they got left behind. And so Paul writes the letter to say, no, 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 there's going to be the rapture, then the man of sin will come, then the tribulation time period, and then the second coming of Christ. So he taught all of that. In fact, he taught that when he's with them. We, if you remember back in second. Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, don't you remember? I told you those things when I was with you. As we have moved into chapter 3, we're going to see this morning, Paul deals with people causing problems in the church. Now, we don't think that anybody ever causes any problems in the church, but the truth is it does happen, and sometimes, and we're going to see what this means by unruly people here. What a believer supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to do? We'll see it as we go through this morning. There's some great things there. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? What are we? New creations in Christ. We were dead in sin, now we're alive in Christ. We were in darkness, now we're in light. We were destined for the lake of fire, now we have eternal life and we'll be with Jesus Christ forever. Great truth that as a new creation in Christ, we're to live out who we are. We're children of God, we're saints, we're holy ones. We're to live as God's children in a fallen world. We're to be delight in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We're to shine as lights in this world. Ephesians 4.1 says we're to walk worthy of our calling. Well, what should our lifestyle be? How should we live? What are we to do? What are Christians supposed to be like in our community? Uh, a guy by the Dionestus lived in the second century. That's in the 100s. And he was not a Christian, but I found he wrote this. He wrote and described Christians in the, in the second century. Listen to what he says. He says, Christians are not different from other people by country or language or customs. They do not live in cities of their own or speak some strange dialect. They follow local customs in clothing and food and other aspects of life. But at the same time, they demonstrate to us the unusual form of their own citizenship. They live, their own native, they live in their own native lands but as aliens. They marry and have children just like everyone else, but they do not kill their unwanted babies. They offer a shared table, but not a shared bed. They're passing their days on earth, but are citizens of heaven. They obey the appointed laws and go beyond the laws in their own lives. They love everyone, but are persecuted by all. They are put to death and gain life. They are poor and yet make many rich. They are dishonored, yet gain glory through dishonor. Their names are, are blackened, and yet they're cleared. They are mocked and yet they bless in return. They're treated outrageously and behave respectfully to others. When they do good, they're punished as evildoers. When they're punished, they rejoice as if being given new life. They are attacked by the Jews as aliens and are persecuted by the Greeks, yet those who hate them cannot give any reason for their hostility. This is what he wrote about Christians in the second century. How we measuring up? <laughs> Think about it. 
This morning, we're going to look at a passage that Paul writes to correct some believers in the church who are not living the way they should. Paul discusses proper lifestyle and problem people. So we look at this passage, we're going to see some things. Let me break it down for you. First of all, Paul gives commands concerning these unruly people. That's verse 6. Then he talks about his own life as an example, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Then Paul gives a command to these unruly people. And we'll explain to you what unruly means in just a second. And then he gives some details on how to deal with unruly people. As I put this passage together, it's been a while because I always stay ahead, as you know. But there's some, there's some hard things in here, and there's some things we just need to really think about. It's a very practical section. He's dealing with what we call undisciplined or unruly people, and we'll see what that means as we go through the passage. Now, let's start with this by saying, look, no believers, no believer is perfect. We're all in the body of Christ. Every one of us falls short. All of us sin and come short of the glory of God. We're fallen people. The goal is that we live and love one another and grow in the grace of knowledge of Christ. In Thessalonica, there were some people, what we'd call them problem people. Paul called them unruly people. He called them undisciplined people. We'll talk about what that means in just a second. And they didn't follow Paul's example, and they weren't living according to the scripture. And so Paul says, they need to deal with them. So as we start verse 6, as you know, we've been going through, if, if maybe you're here for the first time, we, we go what we call expository teaching. We take books of the Bible and teach through them verse by verse, passage by passage. We believe that's how you're supposed to study the Bible because it was given to us that way. We've got this entire letter that Paul wrote to a church at Thessalonica. It was a second letter, and there are truths and things in there we can apply. In this part this morning, he's going to talk about dealing with these unruly or problem people. So let's start. Paul gives commands concerning unruly people. Look at verse 6. Paul says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother, talking about believers, who leads an unruly life, and not according to the, to the tradition which you have received from us. So Paul starts off, and notice he's writing to believers. And he's, he says, now we command you, brethren. He's writing to fellow believers. And he says, listen, we've got to deal with what we call unruly people. Notice the authority. He says, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now when you think about it, the word Lord means deity. The word Jesus means Savior. And Christ means the anointed one of God. That's the full title of our Savior, Jesus. And so his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God who is the Savior, who is the anointed one, the set-apart one by God himself. Notice what he says. And it's kind of hard to write this, but here's what he said. When I say hard to write, hard to read it. He says, now in the name of that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life. He says, withdraw. He says, keep away. Don't keep close contact. We might even say the idea is to remove yourself. Remove yourself. He's saying break fellowship. He's saying that these people that are doing whatever he's going to describe in just a minute, that fellow believers, when they're not living the right way, when it says they're not living according to their traditions, we'll talk about that, he says, uh, move yourself away. The word unruly means a number of things. It means to be out of step. It was as if we're all going this way, and then some people are going this way, and we say, wait, 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 we're supposed to be over here, and they're going a different way. So unruly means going a different way. Unruly also sometimes is translated lazy, okay? And it has an idea of not following the path. I'm going to give you more information of what we think was happening. But he says, we command you, 
believers, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away, that you don't fellowship closely with those who live this unruly life, those who are going off to the side, so to speak, that live not according to the tradition. Now, he mentioned something about this earlier, back in his first letter. Let me just read this to you. Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 10 and 10, 11, and 12, he said, make it your ambition. He's writing to these Christians. Make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to attend to your own business, and to work with your own hands, just as we commanded you, so you can will behave properly toward the unbelievers and not be in any need. Then he writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14, he says, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So he's, he's even mentioned unruly people in his first letter. Well, in this letter, he says, keep away from every brother who lives an unruly life, not according to the traditions. He's basically saying, do not fellowship with those who are out of step. Basically, he's saying people who aren't following the Scripture. He's going to say the same thing in a minute. Look down at verse 14. He said, if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with them. Now, this is a hard thing. This is really hard. The goal, he basically says, is to not have fellowship with them so it will shame them. We'll see it more in a minute, and they can come back and be involved. What is going on exactly? Well, the best we can understand is some people understood that the very next event would be Jesus coming. And so some of the Christians said, if Jesus is coming, why do I need to work? I mean, he could be here any time, so I'm just going to let other people take care of me. And also the word unruly means that they moved away from the truths of the Scripture and to begin to cause problems within the body and weren't work. we're going to find out that they weren't working. They were actually expecting their fellow believers to take care of them and to feed them and take care of them. Now, we see that sort of thing sometimes today, and we'll talk more about it. But they, they, were, they were doing that. He calls them, I'm going to show you in verse 11, he calls them busybodies. And that word has an idea of causing division. It actually has an idea of, of causing disruption, meddling in somebody else's affairs. That's what that word means in the Greek. So Paul is writing and he says, and this is really hard. It'd be like Paul saying, listen, if there are people in the body and they're not living according to the scripture, they're not working, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, they're meddling and causing divisions, don't have fellowship with them. That's what he says. And the command is to withdraw from them. Now, let me explain something to you about how things work. In the first century, when we talk about the church in Thessalonica, I don't... Don't, um, don't think that they all came together in a big auditorium every Sunday morning and met like this. They had what they call house churches. And so there might be that they would say, this is the church of Thessalonica, and there might be 20 or 30 smaller house churches where there might be 15, 20, 25, 30 people in those, and they were led by different people, by different elders or by different leaders. And so when you said the church at Thessalonica, it included a whole bunch of smaller house churches. Sometimes they might all come together, but as a whole, they would meet weekly in smaller groups. When Paul says to not fellowship with them, when he says keep away from them, he meant all the believers. So if you were in one of the house churches and you were not living right, and they said, you can't come to our group. Now, they're not, not talking anything about salvation. We're talking about fellowship. They were out. Well, they couldn't go to another house church. 
because all the house churches were all connected. And so when fellowship was broken in the first and second century, first century here, you couldn't just say, I'll go to another church. There wasn't another church. They were all different house churches. And so when Paul says, break fellowship with them, we're going to see later on in verse 14, he tells what to do. Now, think about it. it doesn't, it's, it's a little bit harder today. But let's say that somebody, and I'm just going to say somebody did something or is doing something in, in our body, and we say, you're not going to fellowship with us. What would they do? They'd just go to another church in town. And the other church would say, we're so glad you're here because everybody wants everybody. Nobody checks out why a person left another church to come. And so it, it's harder today to do what the Bible talks about uh, as, as we see in Thessalonica because when we get down to verse 14, the bottom line says, break fellowship with them so they'll be put to shame. Okay, today, somebody breaks fellowship, they just go to another church and say, we don't like the old church we came from. Oh, well, good, we're glad you're in our church now. And so it's harder that it, it just... It's harder for it to work in the same way nowadays. Paul says, keep away from brethren who are not living according, they're living an unruly life, which means out of step, not according to tradition. And when he says tradition, he's talking about the Bible. The tradition is the truths of the Word of God. So he's basically saying, don't have fellowship with someone who is continuing in an unbiblical life. Paul then uses his life as an example. Now, by the way, the issue seemed to be that they weren't working and they were causing division. So look what Paul says. Paul uses his own life as an example. We'll go through this very quickly. Look what he says in verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined, uh, unruly manner among you. He says, follow my example. We, we, we didn't do that. We weren't out of step. Notice he goes on to say, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to you. He says, listen, we didn't want to be a burden. Paul, when Paul came there, he came as a missionary. He came into that town, and he led people to Christ, and he taught them. But what he did was he said, listen, I'm not asking y'all for money. I'm ministering to y'all, so I'm going to work my own job and make my own money so that you won't have to give to me. Now, what you find out is when Paul, Paul had gone to Philippi before he went to Thessalonica, we know that when he wrote the Philippian letter that the believers in Philippi sent Paul money while he was at Thessalonica. So Paul said, I didn't have to take money from the Thessalonians so I tried to earn my own living. I tried to show that as an example. Notice what he said. We did not anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden. He wanted to make sure that the message of Jesus Christ that he was proclaiming was not connected with wanting money. See, I think that's one of the problems with television ministries that you see these pastors on TV. What are they always asking for? Money, and see, and there's so many unbelievers or, or brand new believers, they're all thinking that all we want is your money, you know? And so Paul said, I didn't want that connection at all. I came and I worked my own self as an example to you. I did not want to be a burden to any of you. That's what he says. And, and look at verse 9, because Paul says something amazing. He says, not because we don't have the right because Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he could have, from fellow believers, taken money as an apostle. He could have. It says, not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so you would follow our example. Listen, as apostle, 
First Timothy says, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while, ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. But basically, Paul could say, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been sent out to establish the churches. You need to help me make it. But he didn't ask them for money. He actually worked on his own. And as I said earlier, the Philippian church sent that. And that's why I think when, when, when we send missionaries out, we're not wanting missionaries to get money from the people they're trying to lead to Christ or trying to start their ministries because that makes the emphasis on their money. So that's why we as believers are to support missionaries when they go to places so that they won't have to ask for money from the people they're trying to reach. And that's what Paul was saying here. He said, we became a model. Look at verse 9 again. Not because we don't have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. Paul said, we're a model. And the word for example there is the word type. It means a pattern. He says, you you should look like us. And then he says something that many people have quoted this verse a lot of times, sometimes out of context, but look at the flow of the passage. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. If you don't work, you don't eat. Now, you can tell the issue just by reading this. There were fellow believers in the body of Christ in Thessalonica who were not working, who were asking fellow believers to pay their way, to buy their food, to give them food, to give them whatever they thought they needed. And many of them were what they called unruly, which meant not only were they out of step and not doing what they were supposed to do, but they were causing division as well. And you can see the issue there. Wow. So he gave this order. Listen, we told you even when we were there, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, we're not talking about people who are unable to work. There are people who are just not physically able or they've got some issues. We always take care of them. But we're talking about people who are able to work. I'm going to talk more about this in just a second, okay? But then Paul talks about dealing with these unruly people. Look at verse 11. For we hear that some among you are leading undisciplined, that's unruly life, that means out of step, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. And those two things go together. He says, listen, we understand that they're undisciplined, they're acting like busybodies. The word that they were lazy, they were not working, they were expecting others to take care of them. Let's talk about that for a second. It is very easy for some Christians to think that other Christians ought to take care of them. Now, we're not talking about people who aren't able to take care of themselves, and sometimes that happens, and we are going to meet every need we can and help. But there are people who are able-bodied and can do anything, and they expect other Christians to take care of them. It is so easy. In fact, that word there when he says uh, they're busybodies, that means to meddle in other people's affairs. Now, let me tell you something. The best I can tell from studying this passage is there were people in Thessalonica who weren't working and who were causing division. When Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus, as found in Acts chapter 20, he said the two issues that always happen in a local church, false teaching from outside, division from inside. These people weren't working and they were causing division. Paul says has to be dealt with. Look what he says for them to do. Verse 12. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's saying this is Christ's command. Work in a quiet fashion and eat their own 
bread. He says, you get, do your work, do your thing, take care of yourself. Now, we all know that there are people who come to Christians and want handouts. And I'm just being honest with you. Okay, I'm going to tell you. There's two stories I'm fixing to tell you. Less than about, about a year ago, a family pulled up in our church, in our, right out there, right at the end of the service, in a van, got out, stood where we go out onto the highway, and held up a sign, we need money, we need money. And there was a guy and a wife and two or three kids, and I didn't know this. As I was standing out the door, I was watching people leave, but I was wondering why the cars were clogging up. They don't usually clog up. Our people were handing them money to these people. Somebody came up to me and said, do you know there's somebody out there that's asking for money? And I said, no, I didn't know that. Let's check on it. So Brian went out. We checked on it. We said, hey, hey, you don't need to ask for money for our people as they leave church. Come on inside. We'll talk to you. So we got them inside, and I found out the story, and, and I found out who they were. They said their story was, we're just passing through, and our car messed up, and we need money. Their car didn't mess up. They had a van that was like a 2014, 2015 van sitting right there in the parking lot. And they weren't passing through because I know them. They're usually over in the Lowe's parking lot, and sometimes they're in the Walmart parking lot. And they pull up, they put out their sign, and they ask people to give them money. They came into our church that day. We went to the refrigerator. We got all kind of food out, but we said to them, we know who you are. Oh, no, no, we're passing through. I said, no, no, I've seen you at Walmart, and I've also seen you in Lowe's. We know who you are. Don't come here asking our people for money again. You can get a job. You got a car that's better than some people in our church, and you're here asking for money. That's not what you're supposed to do. We gave them food, but we told them, quit begging for money from Christians in this community. Okay, I've got one other story. This has been about a year and a half ago. We had a, one of our grow groups, and one of our grow groups, a young family came into the grow group, a man and a woman and a small child. And they told the grow group, it was their first Sunday in the grow group, and they said, we don't have anything. What do you mean? Well, we don't have a bassinet, and we don't have this, and we don't have diapers, and we don't have this. And, and our grow group said, we will take care of you. And they got a big list. And so the next Sunday, this couple came back with their child, and they gave them, I don't even know if the people in the grow group could tell you, they gave them all kind of things. That was the last we ever saw of them. They came just to get what they could get. Now, I don't think that's right. And Paul says, those kind of people, they should work, earn a living. Now, there are going to be plenty of people that sometimes they need help. And we're going to always help anybody that has help. And I want you to know, this week, this week already, I personally have been involved. It's not necessarily me doing it. I've personally been involved on helping three people have resources in our church. This week. So it's not that we don't help people. It's this, this passage is saying, if you're able-bodied, get out and work and quit causing problems and quit asking fellow believers for money. That's what it's basically about. It's pretty hard stuff. Work hard. And don't expect other Christians to take care of you. you. You guys know that you can ask Chelsea. There are people who come to our office almost every week, and they're coming in and asking for money. And see, the truth is, they go to every church in town. They go to a church, and if they get money there, they go to the next church. And, they, and everybody knows it, and we know who they are. And they go from church to church to church. And we always tell them, if you really need things, there's a thing called our daily bread. They'll give you food. If you need, oh, oh yeah, oh, what do we have? And, and, but the truth is, there are certain people, and I know who they are. I know who they are. And they know who we are. Who we are. Listen, there was, I remember 
once I was standing on the sidewalk downtown and this person goes, JB, JB, I don't know who this person is. This person comes up and the very first thing she said was, I need some money. Okay, she didn't go to our church, but she knows my name because she knows the pastors in town because she goes to the churches. That's wrong, y'all, that's wrong. Get a job, earn a living. If you're capable, if you're able, if you're not, we're going to be there as fellow believers to help. So here's what Paul says to do. How do you deal, details on how to deal with unruly people. Now, let me just say this. I've just given you three bad stories, and you might say, I ain't helping nobody. No, 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 no. It's better to help somebody even if they take advantage of you because that's between them and the Lord. You're saying, I'm try- they told me this, I want to help them, I'm going to help them. Uh, it's between them and God. So what Paul says is when he's just got through this hard part, look what he says in verse 13. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. It's easy to get cynical when you see these kind of things, but you can't. You've got to be willing to help people. We've got to be reaching out to people. Don't grow weary in doing good. Just be wise on what we do. And then he says this, verse 14. If anyone does not obey our instructions in this letter... Take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Now, by the way, that first, that's a first-class if in the Greek, which means if and is true. There are going to be people in Thessalonica who weren't going to listen. They're going to tell them you need to get a job, but they're not. So Paul says, if anybody does not obey the instructions of this letter, take note of them. He says, do two things. Take note, mark it down, and don't associate with them. It says, do not associate with them so they will be put to shame. Now, this is hard, but it's saying that if there are people who aren't working, there are people who are lazy or people who are contrary to the Scripture, people causing division, you take note of that and you deal with them. And he says the bottom line is, so they will be put to shame. That, that's the deal. So they'll be embarrassed. Now, in a lot of communities in the first century, a guy got put out. He couldn't go to another house church because they'd say, you can't come in here because, you, you know, we know about you. In our community, they'd just walk out and go to another church. Right? So the bottom line is be careful. We want to follow the Scripture. And so Paul says, if anyone does not obey this, don't associate with them. Hopefully it will put them to shame. But then he does something strong. He says, yeah, do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Listen, these these aren't enemies. These aren't unbelievers. These are believers. And you're admonishing the believer. And so, listen, as our church, we want to take care of all kind of people. We want to do everything we can. If you have a need, you're in this body, and you have a need, let us know. And many of us will do anything we can to help you because we love you and we're in this thing together. But there are some people who are continually wanting handouts, and they are able to work. And this is what Paul is getting about in this passage. So, uh, so what does Paul do? Paul charges believers to break fellowship with the unruly. Paul uses his life as an example. They were meddling and causing division. Paul tells them to work and earn their own way. And if not, break fellowship. And hopefully it will cause them to be shamed and come back and do what is right. So let me give you the applications. The first one is this. Let our lifestyle be an example to others. We want to live in such a way that we're faithful believers. We don't want to be a burden. I mean, we, we, if we're able to work, let's work. We don't want to be a busybody with just meddling in other people's affairs. We want to be an example. We want to be an example of those who live for Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. Let others see how fellow believers are living, just like Paul did. The second thing is let's 
continue to meet needs of those in need. We have to. When we hear stories like I told you, and I didn't mean it to be negative, but I just have to tell you the truth. When you hear stories like that, it tends to make you say, I'm not going to help because I don't know what these people are doing. Listen, we gotta, we still got to love people and reach out. And there, sometimes people may take advantage of us, but I'd rather give and help somebody than not give, even if somebody might take advantage. So let's continue to help meet needs. And third, it may be necessary to break fellowship with believers who are unruly. It may be. The unruly means off the path. And that myth, the goal is when a person's not living according to the Scripture, when they're not doing the right things, sometimes it's necessary to break fellowship. The goal, of course, is that they would be ashamed and get back to living according to the Bible. So may we be example of fellow believers, continuing to do good, especially to those in need, but if, if necessary, breaking fellowship with unruly believers who take advantage of other people.